0: Welcome to Do We Know Things, a podcast where we examine things we think we know about sex. Content work. This podcast will include discussions of sex and sexual anatomy. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton, professor of psychology and sex educator. Today on Do We Know Things, the greatest thing of all... The clitoris. Every year in my human sexuality class, I give my students a quiz on the first day. I do this to get them intrigued about the class, but also to potentially show them how little they know about sex. One of the questions is Taking into account the entire structure, how long is the average clitoris? This is a multiple choice question, and the response options are 1 centimeter, 1 inch, 4 inches, 10 inches, and unsure. What answer would you give? Most students answer 1 centimeter or 1 inch, but both of those answers are wrong. The actual answer is around 4 inches. I'm always surprised that people are not aware of the full structure of the clitoris, especially when we know way too much about the penis, which is a similar structure. One factoid that people do seem to know about the clitoris is that it has 8,000 nerve endings, making it very sensitive. I've read this fact in magazines, on Instagram, on Twitter, etc. At least eight thousand times. It has been completely memefied. But is this even true? It wasn't until a student asked me about clitoral nerves directly that I started looking into it, and I was shocked by what I found. On today's episode, I'll talk about the anatomical details of the clitoris, all of it. What we do and don't know about clitoral nerves, and why we know so little. That's coming up on Do We Know Things. first. The last episode of Do We Know Things, episode 19, Awkward Questions from Confused Guys, got rave reviews. Two people even said it was their favorite episode ever. I'm unclear if it was because Matt was the co-host or because we were talking about dude things, but we can do both again soon. One listener specifically requested a queer sex-focused Q&A, so I'll definitely work on that for a future episode. And now, on with today's deep dive on the clitoris. Today's episode actually has its roots in the origin story for this entire podcast. Back in winter 2019, I was teaching my human sexuality class, and I mentioned that one of the things that gets repeated all the time is this thing that there's 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris. I said that I always mean to look that up to see if it's true, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. A student who had taken biopsych, where we teach about different types of nerve endings, asked what type of nerve endings were in the clitoris. I didn't know the answer off the top of my head, so I said I would look into it and get back to him. I first searched Google to see what would pop up. Generally, I don't use Google for my research, but I thought I could find an article that talked about clitoral nerve endings and I could follow it to the source. I did not find the nerve ending source, but what I did find was an article on Medium by Jessica Pinn, who at the time I thought was a gynecologist. I now know that she's an activist whose clitoris was actually damaged during genital surgery, and she has worked tirelessly to advocate for more knowledge around the clitoris and get more clitoral anatomy into medical textbooks. Her article explained how medical textbooks have virtually no information about clitoral innervation, but plenty about penile innervation. Of course, this is no surprise, because medicine has long been biased towards male anatomy. What was surprising to me was that after an extensive wormhole session, I realized how little we know about the clitoris. Not only do we not know how many nerve endings are in the clitoris, compared to the penis, there have been very few studies on clitoral anatomy. This blew my mind. Sex educators and others have been saying for years, decades even, that there are 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris. I even taught this with the aforementioned caveat. I'd been trying to come up with a specific focus for a sex podcast for a while, and this was my light bulb moment. If a commonly cited fact has absolutely no evidence to back it up, what other facts do we repeat about sex that aren't true? In that moment, I realized I had been repeating stats and info taught to me by others without investigating them. Inspired by Mr. Peanut Butter's game show in the Netflix series BoJack Horseman, I thought to myself, what do we know? Do we know things? Let's find out. And thus, do we know things the podcast was born? All because we know almost nothing about the clitoris. So let's back up a bit. Before we go down the wormhole of clitoral nerve knowledge and lack thereof, let's talk about what we do know about the clitoris. First, what most people think of as the clitoris, the part you can see on the outside of the body, is actually just the clitoral glands. There's so much more to it. Here's the clitoris origin story. In a developing embryo, until about six weeks' gestation, all pregenital tissues are the same. It's at this point that a cascade of events begins that will turn the genital tissue into a penis and scrotum, or a clitoris and vulva, and in some cases something in between. All of this work is done by around 15 weeks' gestation. What this means is, all genitals come from the same tissue. The labia are made from the same tissue as the scrotum, The testes are made from the same tissue as the ovaries, and the penis is made from the same tissue as the clitoris. If you've taken a class in biology or other area where they cover genital anatomy, you may have learned that female anatomy is the default. Often the story told in biology classes is that there are multiple processes to create a penis, testes, and scrotum, and if those processes don't happen, the body defaults to ovaries, vagina, clitoris. That is not true. There are complex processes that need to occur to make both penises happen and vaginas happen, but the vagina side of the equation is drastically understudied. Here again we have the male bias in medical research. I'll get more into anatomical development generally in a future episode. So anyway, the penis and the clitoris do share many similar components. Externally you can see the clitoral glands, which is similar to the head or the glands of the penis. There's also a clitoral hood or foreskin. And depending how the clitoris developed in utero, some people will have more or less of the body of the clitoris visible on the outside, but more commonly you'll just see the glands clitoris on the outside. Further inside your body are the crura of the clitoris, which are the spongy tissue legs of the clitoris. In the penis, those spongy tissue legs come together to create the shaft. In the clitoris, they're spread out like a wishbone. I'll post a picture on the Do We Know Things Instagram and on the website so you can see the full clitoral structure. There's also vestibular bulbs, which are larger than the crura and are also spongy tissue, and all of that together makes up the clitoris. Although there have only been a few studies actually measuring the clitoris, it's estimated to be 3 to 4 inches in total in an unaroused state. When we get aroused, the clitoris fills with blood and becomes erect— The entire structure, including the vestibular bulbs, takes up a lot of space, so there's a whole lot of clitoral real estate to be stimulated when aroused—so much more than what you see on the outside. And the physiology between the penis and the clitoris is similar. And that's part of the problem. Because the penis and clitoris come from the same tissue, there's an assumption in some cases that anything we know about the penis can just be applied to the clitoris. But that is not true. While they have similar components, they still developed into different structures. This is where the problem lies in a lot of early sex research, where cisgender men's bodies and their responses are seen as the norm, and this has been going on for decades. We're still working to catch up and better understand the clitoris. According to Jen Gunter's book, The Vagina Bible, we've known detailed clitoral anatomy since at least 1844, where it was documented in a book by a German researcher named Kobelt. This information is also found in a recent book all about clitoral anatomy by Di Marino and Lepidi called Anatomic Study of the Clitoris and the Bulbo Clitoral Organ. The Di Marino and Lepidi book documents all of the earlier knowledge about the detailed clitoral anatomy. There was some documentation for centuries on what the clitoris looked like, but in many parts of the world, there were rules around men, and of course all physicians and researchers were men, touching women's bodies or even dissecting women's cadavers. So at least in part because of this prudishness, the clitoris was ignored from an anatomical perspective. On the other hand, penises were just… (laughs) there… All the time. Uh, and men are very focused on erections, as we've discussed before on Do We Know Things? So, of course, the male physicians and researchers studied penises in agonizing detail. Hilariously, Gunter also points out that the directional anatomical labels of the penis are also erection centric. I will try to explain this. So, in our bodies, everything on the front side is labeled ventral, and everything on the back side is labeled dorsal. So, think dorsal fin on a shark. Even though the penis usually hangs flaccid like 99% of the time, the front part you would usually see was labeled dorsal, and the back part was labeled ventral. But this only makes sense if the person has a constant erection pointing at the sky. So first there was just the general neglect. But then the clitoris was studied, and detailed anatomical descriptions were made. But there was still the male bias present. I downloaded a gynecology textbook from 1887, and it did have a pretty decent drawing of the clitoris, although the body of the clitoris was shown as quite short. It also included some egregious statements about the clitoris. For example, in one section where it talked about the small size of the external parts of the clitoris, the authors stated clearly that we should be able to see the relative insignificance of the clitoris compared to the penis. In the section on the minor anatomy, which is where they would get into the nerves, the textbook says that it does not need to be described because it's the same as the penis and everyone should be familiar with that. So we have some detailed anatomy knowledge, but still male bias, but then it was the Victorian times. And then all things sex were tamped down. So the knowledge of detailed clitoral anatomy was suppressed because it just wasn't polite to speak about such things. In fact, in England, the prevailing belief spread among physicians was that the clitoris was useless. And of course, then there was Freud. Freud, who himself did not have a clitoris or vagina, but swiftly established himself as the world expert in clitorises and vaginas and how they should have their orgasms. And since he was a haver of a penis, and since his penis felt best when it was inside a vagina— He declared that the proper way for women to have an orgasm was through penile penetration. Freud claimed that clitoral orgasms that occurred from stimulating the glands of the clitoris on the outside of the body were immature orgasms. Once a woman was fully mature, she no longer had to resort to clitoral orgasms and could have mature vaginal orgasms. So according to Freud, the only way to be a properly functioning adult woman was to have orgasms from a penis being thrust into you. As we have highlighted on this podcast from day one, only a minority of people with vaginas consistently experience orgasms from penile penetration. Most need different kinds of stimulation. But thanks to Freud's devaluing of the clitoris, it fell even further out of the medical world. In fact, it was not part of medical training for decades. It wasn't until the feminist movement in the 1970s when activists and researchers started to push back against the sexist field of medicine more consistently. In the 80s and 90s, medical textbooks started to include clitoral anatomy again. Improvements in knowledge happened, but it wasn't until the 90s when research by Helen O'Connell really put the clitoris back on the medical map more clearly, using more modern research methods. I want to note that we're often told that science is objective. And yes— Scientific methods provide structured ways to assess certain types of data in ways that increase objectivity. But who does the science, what questions are asked, and what types of knowledge are considered valid are all highly socially influenced and so highly subjective. The social and cultural influences in our world dramatically affect what we know from a scientific perspective. The fact that we knew all about the clitoris and then the Victorians erased that knowledge is evidence of this. All modes of study are rife with subjectivity, and anyone who tells you that science is completely objective is objectively wrong. Yes, there are better and worse ways to get to knowledge, and science is very good at certain types of knowledge, but humans are the ones doing it, and we're all highly subjective individuals with different perspectives. (laughs) So it's not that we don't know anything about the clitoris, as I dramatically suggested in the beginning. Thanks to the work of researchers over the last few decades, we have reclaimed old knowledge and created new knowledge about the clitoris. One thing I really don't think we know is how many nerves are in the clitoris. I have searched and searched, and while many scientific papers and textbooks include the statement that there are 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris, I've not been able to find any actual source for this information. So no original study and no actual data. I will continue to search and I will report back if I find it, but so far I can't. Jessica Pinn, the activist I mentioned earlier, once posted on Instagram that she found the original source of the 8,000 nerves in the clitoris statement in a book called The Clitoris by Thomas Lowry. This book states that the estimate comes from a study of cow clitorises. So it MAY be the original source, but even in that source it's unclear how the estimate is made, and the number seems to come from cows, not from humans. We do know that there are all sorts of nerve endings in the clitoris. And we do know, in general in our body, in our skin, different nerve densities make for more sensitivity. So for example, in your fingers, which are extremely sensitive, you have a really high density of nerve endings. This makes your fingers more sensitive than other parts of your body, say your upper arm. There's much less density in your upper arm because your upper arm doesn't need to be sensitive. Another part of your body that is highly innervated with nerve endings are your lips. So your lips are extremely sensitive. They're also very sensual, sort of like the clitoris. So we know that the clitoris has a lot of nerve endings. We don't know the exact number, but it is clearly a very sensitive organ. Another interesting thing to know about nerve endings is that there are a whole bunch of different kinds. So, for example, there are certain kinds that respond to vibratory stimuli. There are other kinds that respond to touch. We have free nerve endings that respond to things like heat and cold and pain, and different nerves will send different signals to your brain. And all of those nerve endings are present in your clitoris, based on what we know now. Something that has been missing from gynecology textbooks until recently was the dorsal nerve of the clitoris. This nerve is large and travels along the dorsal part of the clitoris up into the glands. This was documented in previous studies in the last decade, but it had not been added to many medical textbooks. Jessica Pinn has been advocating to get this information into gynecology and plastic surgery textbooks. This information has been added to some, but not all of these books. If someone is going to be operating on a clitoris, labia, or vagina, they really need to know the anatomy. It is horrifying to me that accurate information about the clitoris is still missing from many medical textbooks. It is shocking to me that in 2020, we still have to fight to get basic anatomical knowledge about female genitalia included in medical curricula. So the book I mentioned by Marino and Lepidi was published in 2014. Currently, it is the most thorough and detailed source of information about the clitoris, and it brings together both historical information and new information. But the fact that this didn't exist until 2014 is still shocking. You should be shocked, or at least mildly annoyed. So we started this podcast with the question, are there 8,000 nerves in the clitoris? And the answer is, we don't know. And frankly, it probably doesn't really matter. What does matter from a physician's perspective is knowing where key nerves are, so when they're doing surgery, for example, that they are not harming those nerves. For the average person, there's probably a lot of variability in clitoral sensitivity, just like there's variability in other body parts. What's important for learning about the clitoris for the average person is how yours or your partner's works, how it likes to be touched, and how it doesn't like to be touched. The clitoris is the only organ in the body that exists solely for pleasure. That is an amazing gift that evolution has given us, and we shouldn't take it for granted. I am sure more will be learned about the clitoris in the coming years and decades, and let's hope we can make sure this knowledge does not get erased again. That's all for this episode. If you have any feedback or peer review of this episode, I'm always excited to hear from you. Especially if you know the source of the 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris. You can send me a voice memo recorded on your phone or just a written email to dewenowthings at gmail.com. You can find a script for this episode with references and extra info on the website at dewenowthings.com. All music and sounds in this episode are by Jeremy Dahl. Check him out at paleblue.ca. Script assistance and audio assistance by Matt Tunnicliffe. I'm Lisa Don Hamilton. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Do We know things, and you can email me at doweknowthings at gmail.com. Do We Know Things is released every second Monday, and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, I would love it if you would subscribe and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time on Do We Know Things.